You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger, live from Gonerfest 18, Part 1. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger, and I'm back in Chicago for a few days after a really fun trip to Memphis for Gonerfest 18, where my pal Eric Wilson and I set up shop and recorded a ton of great interviews for the podcast. So many, in fact, that I'm going to split them up into three episodes, counting this one. In this first batch, we're going to hear from Alicia Trout from The Lost Sounds, River City Tan Lines, Alicia Pop, and most recently Shark Teeth. Filmmaker, artist, and activist Mike McCarthy, Graham Burks from Loose Opinions, and my old boss Jared McStay from Shangri-La Records, The Simple Tones, and So Gung Ho. It's all a lot of fun, so let's kick things off. This is live from Gonerfest 18, Part 1. So are we rolling? Oh. So, hey, uh, it's been forever since I've seen you. I know. Um, what? How have these last couple of years been for you? It's been nuts. I haven't... Haven't I seen you for that many? For a couple years? I mean... I can't. I moved to Chicago in 2017. When's the yeah. last time we really? Maybe had... the last time I saw you was when you did the rock camp. Yeah. No, I feel like I saw you after that. Oh, you know, we did. We played that modifier show together. Very. Oh, yeah. I think I saw you for like two seconds at that thing. But yeah. But I mean, how has this pandemic been? I know the tan lines were supposed to tour last year. Is have you had a bunch of stuff canceled? Oh, did we cancel anything? I think just we didn't. Oh. Uh, I, oh, right. We were supposed to go to the Dirt Nap Festival, which I was, like, so looking forward to. Um, and then so it was never, Bubba. Yeah. And we were going to go see to Green Bay and see the Zip and Pippin. Um, so uh, my brain was going somewhere with other things that got canceled, but I kind of forget. I had a thing going with my friend Jenna that we were going to do in Europe, and that got canceled. Um, oh, I know what happened is, like, Sweet Knives got together and set up this big recording deal in um, Lori's attic area. You've been up to their practice space? Yeah, I've we seen had, it. We had it all set up, and we did all our songs, all our new songs, but we made, like, rough recordings of them, and we were going to just all come... We were all going to... I was going to make rough mixes, send them to everybody, and then everyone's going to learn them better and then come back and record the record for real. And then the stuff was just like trapped up there in there because we had, you know, at the beginning of this thing, nobody wanted to be around anybody, didn't know what was going on. So then Rich came around in the summer. That was in February, uh, the last of February, we did all the basic recordings. And we just decided to pick all, this, all the rough recordings from that that sound okay and make a sweet nose record out of it. But that's still being pressed. It's been mixed for a long time. Do you know when that's coming out? Um, they say November, December, but it might not make it till 2022 because, um, there's so much backed up at record pressing plants right now. My new record's in the queue right now also. Oh, how many, how many months back is it waiting? I just got the test pressings like two weeks ago. I'm being told like it's going to be at least another 12 weeks after that. Oh, that's not that bad. I mean, ours is like months behind. I don't know. I mean, months, half a year or something, but it's okay. And then, uh, 
I told the label it was okay because I have a Alicia Pop record that should be out now, but we had a problem with the printing deal, so this the covers are being reprinted right here at Memphis Record Pressing. This was a new lineup of Alicia Pop, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's been the lineup for two years, but it's the lineup now, yeah. Is this the lineup that's going to be on that record? Um, so most of it, uh, there are three songs recorded with that lineup. Um, some of them, I think one of the songs actually, we just did the, there's three of us on there. And then a lot of the songs are my home recordings. And then one or two, I just can't remember at this point, but one or two were done with an older lineup that had Joe Boone and Henry Talbot in it, which was like the first lineup from a long, long, long time ago. I remember that. And we recorded that at High Low when they were back on Cleveland. Kate Crowder's singing backups on it. We brought her in be like, we need another voice. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> what label's putting this out? Um, Alicia Pop's going to be on um, the local label Black and Wyatt. Oh. And FDH is doing the Sweet Knives record. Is there anything going on with the tan lines, or are you guys just on hiatus right now? Um, we don't have anything new. Um... But uh, we're just, we got together to do a show at the early part of the summer. And then I just had to work on all these bands. And then I have this other thing. I have two other things I'm working on musically. And it just kind of all took precedence. There's this Memphis um, music export show at the Shell where they're taking different people from different genres and smashing them together into new bands. You have to write songs together. I've heard about this. Who did they yeah. put you with? So the Faux Killas are the band, but it's not the whole band. It's mainly um, Jeremiah, Sam, and Jason. And then um, Louise Page. Interesting. Yeah. And you guys are playing at the Shell in October, right? Yeah. And then we're supposed to be doing some kind of medley that Boo Mitchell is putting together with three. Oh, uh, no, I can announce that we're doing it, but I can't announce what the songs are. Okay. I guess. <laughs> and so. you, also, you also did some stuff with Paul Taylor recently, right? I did those a long time ago when I had that intern. It recently compared to when we saw each other, yes. Yes, recently yes. to that. Uh, <laughs> um, I had some, did some songs um, at the, um, <clears throat> what's it called? The Crosstown Arts Studio when he was running it, but yeah. So Paul's in charge of those. I guess they're on the, Memphis, the new Memphis Colorways yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to that stuff on Bandcamp. It was really cool. Oh, cool. I enjoyed doing it. It was fun to work with. Well, um, band's kicking up. It's getting a little hard for me to hear you, so I'll yeah. just ask, is there anything you're going to be up to at Gonerfest after this, or are you done? Um, well, uh, my band, Shark Teeth, with an F, is playing uh, Saturday night at Lamplighter after, I think we're the first after the goner shows oh, the after party yeah the after party we're the first after we're the last after party but the first of the last after party first of the last yeah. i'll that try one, to make a note of that um so we're supposed to start around 11 30 i don't know when it starts um but uh i'm just it's a different band but it's a band with the uh, severance in it and 
um, just some people um, that I guess are, uh, people don't really know and don't normally play in my bands or Midtown huh. bands. Is there music out on that, or is it is this a brand no, new thing? No, it's brand new. Oh, well. it just started this summer, and I play bass in it. I might try to check that out. If you can stay up till, can you stay up till eleven thirty? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how much coffee I can get my, get a hold of. Is that like twelve thirty Chicago time? Oh no, we're still central in Chicago. Oh, okay, okay. We're all good. I'm just I'm just an early bird. I get up at like six a.m. Oh, I mean, I think everybody's on that same plane where they were like, so Goner Fest is over at ten thirty. Cool. Yeah. Oh, we'll be too thrown off schedule. I can, I can be showered by midnight. I can go to the after, I can see a band at the after party. I can party. go to another show. Yeah. Okay. Thank, thanks, Alicia. Yeah, nice to talk to you. Yeah. Bye. How's it going, man? Who are you people? I, I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, I only have six weeks to live, so this is this is a podcast, right? <laughs> okay. How quick can I turn this around? <laughs> well, I'm I can't pay wh- my bill. The doctor gave me six months, so, you know, I don't know. I'm... I can't tell if you're if you're putting me ask on. Me, ask me something that doesn't involve my day job. Ooh. I'm not sure. I was going to ask you about fun stuff like drive-ins or like oh. Memphis history, you know, the Coliseum or something. Yeah. But. yeah, yeah. Well, we're going into season nine of Time Warp Drive-In. Yeah. As long as uh, everybody gets along and no one causes any problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm here with filmmaker Mike McCarthy, by the way. <laughs> Do I get a headphone? Yes. Okay. Oh, right, right in front of you. No, right in front of me. Oh my God! I did. I had no idea I was on. Yes, you're on. <clears throat> Time warp drive-in at the summer drive-in, the summer drive-in in Memphis, Tennessee, at 5310 Summer Avenue. It has four screens, and uh, of the drive-ins that are left in America, I mean, maybe there are a hundred. I'm not sure, but how many drive-ins have four screens? And we're still doing that in Memphis, Tennessee. I think the one in Chicago only has two. I don't think there are any in Los Angeles, if you can believe that. Hmm. What's a car culture all about if you can't have a drive-in? So how deep into this season are you right now? The current season? Yeah. Uh, Well, we'll be doing the Halloween show uh, next month. It's almost October. And then we always do crazy Christmas movies and... um, uh, everything is crazy, really. Matt Martin from Black Lodge Video uh, curates, and um, I sort of try to look busy in the background. And uh, we're on, uh, you know, checking on the arts all the time. I heard you on Kaki uh, with Kaki a while back. She's yep. so sweet. Kaki's the best. I love her. She's given us so many plugs and so much promo. Same. Um, yeah. I'm doing a. I'm just trying to stay afloat and I'm trying to create. I'd love to create more public art, honestly, that doesn't get stolen. Oh my gosh! So there's still no no one knows who uh, stole the antenna marker. I don't I think, know if that's what you were referencing. I but. think we know, but we know you can't say it. You can't. You can't say it. You can't drop it on the podcast. It's got to be somebody who was left off the marker. It's I've, it's got to be one of those uh, revisionist hist- antenna revisionist history characters, right? <laughs> Doesn't it? Wow, revisionist antenna 
I have to think about that. <laughs> well, there's the there's a, there's a very loud contingent of folks that uh, people who are anti the narrative that Steve McGee started. Oh, uh, right. Oh, do antenna. we want to talk about that? Oh, I don't necessarily. While but feedback I do. is droning in the background. <laughs> um, I'm not. No, I, t- I tell you what. You know, putting up a historic marker for people who are still alive—that's the trick. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the trick, and. Also, I you know, what happens when you let Ross Johnson determine what gets put on a marker? I guess I should have fact-checked, checked, scratch and sniff, but verify. (laughs) Um, I just remember, I think I posted something about the antenna marker. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember some dudes jumping down my throat online about Some dudes. Yeah, some dudes. Some middle-aged dudes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it taught me a lesson to be more... Um, how, how You only have so much space on a historic marker. I was about to say, could you have been more inclusive? Well, as, as some people have pointed out, we were trying to touch... Touchstones like the Sex Pistols playing um, the Taliesin, which is now the Taco Bell on Union. And when you really go back and you delve into things like that that take up space on a marker, and you talk about the replacements, and you talk about, you know, key factors in in Memphis punk history, it's obviously pushing out local history because of the space. And then you wind up talking about bands that have had maybe international impact, like Tafalco, things like that. And then you try to do the best you can to, to, to give everyone respect. And ultimately, people are going to be left out. It doesn't mean they're forgotten. Um, there's a second marker in the works. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Um, Are you going to try to do something different? Change the verbiage on it? To I was, try to make everyone happy? I was thinking about putting a chain on it, maybe, and hoisting it to the <laughs> ground. Uh, because uh, apparently punk rock, a- punk rock has never been more popular than ever. If you have to chain it to the ground, maybe I, I was going to suggest maybe a pit bull or something. But okay, a pit bull, some chains. Uh, <laughs> never mind. You don't know where my mind is going on that. <laughs> but, but no, thanks for asking. Sure. We'll see what happens. Is, do you have any timeline for when that might um, come back? Well, as far as the suspects that I think are, that stole it, I'm waiting for them to die, and then we'll. Um, the second marker will not have them on it either again, and then we'll go from there. <laughs> right on. And then, yeah. And then I'm thinking about getting into things that make money. Yeah. What would that be? Uh, nothing I've ever been involved in. I'm curious. As a <laughs> podcaster, I'd love to find out. Okay. Well, we'll have coffee and talk about it. Let's do I'm sure it involves a lot of local names that we could talk about. Can't talk about it right now. Are you, in, are you still working with Marv in the co- Mm, excuse me. Are you still working with Marv in the Coliseum Coalition? Yeah. When I say Marv's name, I also choke up a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I listened to Champions of the Lost Causes uh, for the last couple of days at work. Oh, cool. It's like a flashback of like uh, mid, mid-decade sort of, you know, uh, meandering. I'm really, <laughs> I, I'm really proud of, whoa, oh, Lord. Imagine if that guy had an entire rhythm section, like a band. Um, I'm really proud of what we did, and the building is, the Mid-South Coliseum is saved. Um, Hopefully it won't be stolen. 
uh, we're thinking about putting some chains down in a pit bull maybe <laughs> around the Coliseum so the city can't get to it. As long as there's no historical marker, you ought to be fine. Right. But you know there will be. <laughs> It's like, oh, the marker mentions James Brown. Let's come back at midnight and steal it. Yeah, some <laughs> Temptations fans are going to steal it. Right. Oh, Rufus Thomas, it's out of here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess stealing your, you know, the thing you work so hard to do is the ultimate. It's like imitation. Certain, ultimate form of flattery. Sure, yeah, yeah. I just don't know what you would do with it. I mean, how many people could you reasonably show that to if you had that in your garage? Well, you know, in the world of Memphis estate sales, where I know people who have found, like, Sam Phillips 78s, you know, like Memphis Recording Service 78s. Yeah. You're at a estate sale. You're, you're probably out east, right? <laughs> Which is where middle-aged punk rockers go to die, I think. Um, and there's the antenna marker at an estate sale. And you're like, wow, 50, 50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks. And it looks brand new. Barely used. But if but if this person were smart and if they're listening, and I, they probably are, I would cast a mold of the thing and make a bunch of them so that you could sell maybe more than one. Why I, sell the original? It would be like those stacks bricks at, uh, at Shangri-La. Do you want me to just tell you who I think stole it? Sure. Steve McGee, I think, stole it. I think he stole it just so he could have it at his house. And if you, have you ever been invited to a cookout at Steve McGee's house? No, that feels like a rite of passage that I maybe will never clear. But exactly. Yeah. Because if you went there, there it would be in the backyard. That That's baffling to me. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I do know, but I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's either that or a Memphis driver hit it and, you know, crazy uh, possibility. I guess. That's a hell of a theory, Mike. We have an investor. Um, we have uh, someone who's willing to pay for a second marker. Uh, it's just a matter of what COVID happened, and then that was a monkey wrench. And So it's entirely possible that a second marker could go up. But now, uh, I don't know if this is widely known, but the city... The city government changed the regulations and the requirements for what has to be involved in a historic marker to be put up in the city, especially in the wake of um, certain certain things that have happened in the city in the last couple of years um, with, um, I don't know, uh, just more conscious effort to project the city's image. Um, I, I don't know what that might have to do with the antenna marker, but it, there are more hoops to jump through. But if the marker could be mounted on the pole, the existing pole, then it would outdo all the bureaucracy that the city how now has because it's an existing location that a marker was in. So what I'm suggesting is the person that stole the marker probably should have stolen the pole uh, and maybe the concrete base that goes with it. Uh, perhaps even a chunk of the sidewalk. Uh, and then uh, then we'd really be screwed. But as it is now, we could straighten the pole, put the marker back on, and, and move on to the second stealing of the marker. Because I've already been beyond that, you know. Would you foresee a big unveiling festival ceremony, that kind of stuff, to go with it? Where Steve, Steve Cohen interrupts me while I'm trying to talk? <laughs> no, I don't see that happening. I see a very low-key event, maybe late at night, uh, <laughs> with Ross Johnson. Um, again, Ross Johnson. Is he here? I heard someone asking if he was here, but I have not seen him. Okay. 
Well, he was supposed to be on stage, I thought, earlier. Is he supposed to play tonight? No. Is he supposed to? I know he's not the MC. For all we know, he could be in the hospital, right? He's just a spirit. He floats in. Diet Coke and Xanax. (laughs) He could be a sponsor. If he had his own podcast, Diet Coke and Xanax would be the top-tier sponsors for right. sure. Right, right, right. And I hope that happens for him. Because that do. would be a moneymaker. Um, but anyway, I am uh, i don't know if you care to know about anything I'm doing that might lead to some positive results. Please. Uh, I'm working uh, – I've returned back to doing a graphic novel on Kid Anarchy, The Angry Rednecks for Fanagraphics Books. And oh. I've returned to drawing that again, drawing, which is what God wants me to do. Um, you know, you always do what God doesn't want you to do, right? And it's it's led to all this. So, um, but now I'm doing what God wants me to do. Yeah. Drawing. Cartooning. Isolationism. And you're going to be putting out your own graphic novel? Well, Fanagraphics will publish it. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I don't know if I'd call it amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> if I find the time to do it, it might be amazing. Um and there's a, we're working on a, I did a movie called Teenage Tupelo in 1995, and it's, it's, it just doesn't, it, it's, we're doing a Blu-ray reissue. My friend Wheat Buckley um, in Florida is working on a new edit of the movie, a totally remastered Super 8 digitized footage, and there's going to be a coffee table book that's 336 pages, 12 by 12, to slide in next to the Impala reissue that's on Chaputa Records out of Portugal. Oh, wow. And it's a Teenage Tupelo soundtrack was reissued last year by Chaputa, C-H-A-P-U-T-O Records in Portugal. And... Um, the coffee table book will not only be uh, uh, essays and, and magazine articles and reviews printed on Teenage Tupelo as it was reviewed back in 95, 96, 97, but it'll, it's also a history of Impala, and uh, they're still together, still playing, and it also touches on the Oblivions and Delena Tonell, who is in the movie, was an Oblivions cover girl, uh, quite a few records, you know, and... Uh, a lot of pictures of her in the book, a lot of pictures of people that in the Memphis scene, Memphis film and punk rock scene in the mid-90s, uh, garage rock scene and all that. And that will be coming out maybe next year uh, on Fanagraphics also. If anybody's listening to this that knows about Fanagraphics, they put out Love and Rockets and Peter Bag and Dan Clow's work and all that. And will you be screen- screening this remastered version of the film and everything? Yes, yes. We hope to go back to Oxford uh, to primarily, where we sh- actually showed Teenage Tupelo to begin with in 1995, in August of 95. Uh, you're the first person to get the scoop on this. Oh. Well, no one cares, really. I'm honored. Well, thanks. Uh, so, But we'll do that. But it just takes a long time to get these things out, because you got to get patronage and you, I got to find friends that are uh, willing to do this stuff for me. And, you know, nobody makes a lot of money on this stuff, but it is very important to to me and to Memphis uh, underground, unpopular culture, history, and all that. Yeah. Sometimes when there's not, like, a super loud, you know, rock festival going on, we should... Uh we should dig into that when it's closer to the to the release. Sure, I'd be I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be great. For great, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Just call me. I'm uh, I'm, I'm probably free that day. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get Marv to give me your number. Oh Lord, <laughs> Marv and I had porch beers two nights ago. Oh yeah. Yes, and he brought your name up. Marv was here earlier, but he was too cheap to pay the cover, <laughs> so he just left. That's not true. No, for real. He was he wanted to catch opening ceremonies, but he thought it was still going to be at the gazebo. Well, why wouldn't Marvin think that the cover 
at Garnerfest would be a lost cause. <laughs> that I couldn't tell you. Well, I would have. Uh, you know what? I'm going to cut the r- the wristband off, <laughs> and he can come back over here on maybe Saturday and super glue it together. This thing is on tight. Yeah, that, I think they're trying to avoid just that scenario. Right. There's no way to get this thing off unless I. I'm going to be sleeping in this for a couple of days. I'll have mine on through Sunday. I'm going to scratch my forehead with this thing and leave a bruise. Anyway, it's great to be here. Thanks for, for having me on. And, yeah, uh, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you, and, and I look forward to seeing you all again. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Time out. Before we get back to Back to the Light live from GonerFest 18, I must remind you that backtothelight.net is your source for excellent podcasts, including this one, and a bunch of great music, including my own. That's backtothelight.net. Also, to support me and get ad-free versions of this podcast, visit patreon.com slash jdrieger. Thank you very much. All right, I'm here with Graham from Loose Opinions. Tell me, how was your first camera shift at Gonerfest? Oh, man, I, I want to see shows this way all the time. I'm just going to go volunteer for, for all the rock and roll festivals. Seriously, uh, seriously, was it fun? Because I'm doing it in like 12 hours. Yeah, you get um, Brent Shrewsbury talking in your ear, telling you every little move to make. Um, it's, you know, uh, micro, a fun, fun sort of like way of being micromanaged. She's like, go to the guitar solo. Now go to the drummer, and uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's got this bird's eye view, so he can see this from like five different cameras, and um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you're uh, watching the show with a lot more attention to detail than maybe I would normally watch a rock and roll show. Yeah, you know? I bet. He's the director. Yeah, That's but his I mean, job. but I mean, I, I'm saying I am too. Like up there on the camera, just my personal experience of of watching a show at Gonerfest. It's like I'm. I'm very like you have to be quick on your feet and uh, ready to pan to the to the next cool thing that's happening on stage. So it's just you know you're you're zoomed zoomed in a lot too for a lot of the action. So um, you're like kind of like watching the action through a microscope. It's really kind of a cool experience. Awesome. So who did you film today? Uh, let's see. I saw uh, Alicia Pop, Rocket 808, and Smirk. Any favorites today? Uh, it was three very different sort of, uh, you know, sort of experiences. Alicia Pop. I used to be in Alicia Pop, so I, I know a lot of those songs. That was fun. I, I heard somebody describing Alicia Pop as they were setting up, and they are like, you know, it's like a synthesizer pop band and they're like nope no synthesizers there, there was nary a synthesizer on stage for that no, it was a synth free alicia pop um which you know kind of a more uh, rock and roll version of the band for goner fest a good take on it jared jared brought the energy he was jumping up and down jared always brings the energy yeah for sure and the backing vocals so who is it you're looking forward to most at this festival? I think Silver Synthetic was one, right? Yeah, they're kind of a, a backing vocal band. If you want to hear some bands sing some sweet harmonies, Silver Synthetic's going to bring that. Yeah. Anybody else? I forget who was on your list. Uh, let's see. Who else do I want to see? Um, I know you submitted a, spe- a, a specific list of people you wanted to film. I forget who that was, though. We don't have to 
we don't have to derail the conversation just to look that up. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweeping promises, man. Sweeping promises is like a heavy rotation for me right now. It's just like, you ever walk into a record store? No, you worked in a record store. You don't have this experience. You walk into a record store with a mental list of like 20 albums you want to pick up, and then you, you walk in, and there's just like uh, the number of options just sort of like overwhelm you, and you can't think of that one record. That well, <laughs> it, it's the same if you work there. It's just, ran, you know... There's always stuff that you're looking for, but then something crazy comes through the door and you just can't say no to it. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm probably most stoked about uh, Silver Synthetic. Definitely Sweeping Promises. Uh, Smirk. Smirk blew me away. I don't know. Did, did, was it yeah, they were you guys awesome. over the head over here? Yeah, yeah, man. They brought the rock. That was, that was awesome. Cool. Well, Graham, uh, I think you're going to be running camera all weekend, so maybe we'll get you back on the last day and uh, you can recap some for us. Yeah, uh, so far, like, Smirk is my sort of number one surprise, uh, kind of blew me away band, and so we'll, we'll see who tops it as, as the weekend progresses. Well, you're in for a long weekend. Yeah, stoked. Can't wait. Thanks, man. Yeah, I hear you. Turn me up just a, a just a, a little bit. I'm deaf as fuck. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay. This is cool. I like y'all's little setup here. It's mostly his stuff. This is great. Ring my bell. Are we rolling? You can ring my bell. Ring my bell. You wanted some loose, off-the-cuff stuff? There we go. I'm okay. here with Jared McStay. This was your first ever time playing Gonerfest, yes. right? took me 18 times. 18 years. That's right. You finally they made, made it. Me, they even made me wear a Goner t-shirt. They Which, wouldn't let you wear the Shangri-La threads? No, it was part of uh, part of our contract that Jughead had to wear a Goner shirt at Gonerfest. And I, apparently, I'm the only one here I, that's... That wears one. Yeah, I, it's I don't so see uncool. a cool. It's like wearing a lot your band T-shirt <laughs> at the show, you know. <laughs> so how was it? How was your experience? Oh man, it was totally a goner. I broke two guitars before I even played, and then I had to use Alicia's backup, which I brought. So I brought three guitars and I played all three of them. I broke two of them before we even played. All right, let's just get into the weeds about guitar stuff. Here we go, JV. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so my first one, which is my gamer, the one, like, you know, it was my jazz master. Okay, so this has never happened to me, but, like, I uh, tried I try to plug, uh, put my lead, the guitar lead into the socket or, you know, the what you plug into on the yeah, guitar, yeah. and it pushed Jack. it out. Is that ever happened to you before? Like I can't where, say that where it has. the lead pushes like I was just like, Oh my god, did my guitar I just broke my guitar and so then I had my backup and it did this thing right as we were freaking playing where the nut, like the E string and the nut like sunk in. Oh, I think I saw that I noticed it was that like just for a second. It was like and I was just like, I can't tune this guitar and also I can't play this low E string, which in Alicia Pop is kind of a pretty you gotta play your low E string. Okay, or I did, and then I just freaking I just didn't and like Alicia was like 
we're playing. Let's go. And uh, so, I, I don't know. But then, yeah, she lent me her backup guitar, and I kind of, we kind of got going mid-set. It felt like it started getting going. No, it was, I was really cool. Going. Yeah, and we got, I got to um, do, oh, uh, I wrote one, like, of her hundred, I've written one song. But uh, we got to do it, and I was... Was that the one that you sang backup on? Put, yeah, it's called uh, Don't Put Me on the Spot. Oh, and neat. I wrote it for this band, and... It was just, it's all this minor stuff that sounds like her and like, I don't know. And it actually sounds just like the song uh, we did after called Creep Face that Jesse was running, or Jesse Davis was running all around to get that anyway. I mean, this is a compliment to you when I say that it sounds like an Alicia song. It's it's, cool. Right. That's, I know. As soon as I was writing it, I was just like, oh my God, this sounds just like it would be a good Alicia song. And. Yeah, she liked it. So, how long have you been playing in Alicia Pop? We, I think, about two plus years because we just on my Facebook. I got we got this. We played at uh, the Montessori school, the behind the, you know, behind the school where they do the, I forget the River Series. Oh yeah, it yeah. wasn't. I don't think it was. I saw Robin Hitchcock there. Yeah, it was one of those. I think, and we, but I got one of those, and we played it in the before times and so yeah I don't know maybe this does sound better without my mask I'm sorry it's fine hey now listen to me folks here well, we go I know you got a big record release coming up oh, So yeah. Gung Ho So Gung Ho it's a band I'm in with um, uh, Graham Winchester and Seth Moody and where you we, basically just joined Turnstiles I did I, I begged to join Turnstiles and they turned me down and uh, as they do everybody, but I, it, it in my def- what well, not defense or whatever, but like I went actually it was me and Jeracy went to their gig. It was at the Cove, and I as I was going to that gig, I wrote so the song called So Gung Ho in my in on the way to that gig, and uh, they did it or we tried to do it, and then we just did a band, and I don't know. But I'm really excited about that record. It's like the best kind of stuff I've done since the Simple Tones. And I'm I, excited I, to hear it. Yeah. And it's coming out on your own label. Yeah, we made a label called Blast Habit. And uh, it's me and my wife, Lori, who just played in Alicia Pop. And she's in all the bands. And she's just incredible. Um, but, uh, yeah, we... Yeah, we... It's Oh, she and I and uh, Graham Winchester... And who's just a force of nature? Of course, I'll be. See- he's playing in every other band right, festival I'm from sure here he, on out. He's, yeah, he, I don't think he's on tonight, but he's yeah. Or no, I'm sure he's playing after this, and you know, ten other times. Uh, what inspired you guys to put together a label? Well, we wanted to put that record out, and I just like you know, it, it, we did it right. We did it with Andrew McCullough. And it, it was it was done, and it, we were gonna put it out in 2020, and then the pandemic hit, and we were just like, man, what the hell? What are we gonna do? And then we just decided, you know, we were in so many other bands, and we had so many other projects to go together, or and also it wasn't really just about being a label. It, you know, we're a live uh, sound thing too, like, and we're all in wedding bands, and so we play weddings and. You know, we were just 
like saying, man, we should just like do a whole thing and make T-shirts and be a T-shirt company. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know where this is going, JD. <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't have a big plan, but the big plan so far is just to put this first So Gung Ho record out. But like, we've had a lot of response. Like, people want to uh, work with us. So, yeah. What know, do you say exciting. when people ask you about that? Because I've had people ask me about being on Back to the Light. Yeah. I just want to be like, you yeah. know, it's not a real label, right? Right. Or, or it, and it's also like, you know, it's not coming out for like a, at least <laughs> a year, right? I mean, it's and then they go, and then pretty quickly they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't know. I've heard Graham say, don't you have other projects in the pipeline, too, for Blast Habit? We do. We do. Yeah. yeah, We have a band, um, uh, Lori and I, and the Moody's, uh, Seth and Coco Moody, who are in the cassette set. And Seth is in a billion bands. Of course. And so is Coco. Yeah. uh, Who just, by the way, Coco Moody is just, she, she is the banshee that this city needs. I remember seeing her. I think it was it one of those Graham Winchester like the Stones tribute. She's maybe, in a, uh, or, well, their main one of his band is called the Cassette maybe? Set, and they I've, do tons of '80s covers. I've seen them, but then yeah, Coco plays with the Turnstiles all the time, and then we have a, a band with her, and it's just really fun. And I don't know. So you're gonna record that records already yeah, oh, recorded yeah, we, too? Well, we we have like three tunes done, but our singles done, and that song's called Bon Vivant. I want to go where the nightlife takes me. I wrote that tune. Um, you're something of a Bon Vivant. Yourself. I am. You know, look at me. I got a drink in my hand. <laughs> I'm done playing Gonerfest. <laughs> it was like, over before it best, started. I know that's the best part about playing in the first band. He's like. <laughs> I'm done now, right? I don't. Yeah. I, I can just kind of sit back and, you know, enjoy and regret. <laughs> <laughs> this this is historically a pretty big week for the shop too, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, every Goner Fest is really good for Shangri La. We always do pretty well. You know, uh, I don't. I haven't been there all day today, so I don't know. I don't know what the. I bet that's nice. What the gate was today. <laughs> But is there anything going on at the shop you want to plug before we? I'm sure there is. To the band. But I can't. I don't know. I can't think. What? I've you already. Know, we're still open. How about that? Shangri La Records is still open for your. God, I'm just way up in this mic now. And would you believe that there's we're at we're at the one year anniversary of the Shangri La Records podcast? Yes. And I'm loving what you're doing with it. It's great. I know you got Hugh, you have Hewlett. I didn't listen to it yet. It's actually a really good episode. Okay, cool. He plays live and he DJs some unreleased stuff. Right on. Yeah. Secrets. Is there anything else you need to unload before please, we go? Please, please stop me from talking anymore. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. All right. Love you guys. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you to my guests, Alicia Trout, Mike McCarthy, Graham Burks, and Jared McStay. I'm not sure if you noticed, but we made a tiny edit in our chat with Jared to protect the innocent. It had to be done. In any case, thank you to Eric Wilson for helping me record these, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Goner Records. For music, news, and episode archives, visit backtothelight.net. And until next time, take care, y'all.
part of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.